this week we're going to be talking uh, about COVID-19 or Corona, whatever you want to call it. Um, what is the Christian response to it is what we're going to be going over. What has been the Christian response in history to other types of plagues? And what does Corona and our response to it show about our sinful hearts? Oh, yeah. You can go ahead and take it away, Josh. All right. So I'll be straight up, straightforward, honest with everyone. I did not want to talk about this. We... <laughs> Uh, well, actually, I Andrew did put the blame on himself earlier. He did select the topic for this week, this, last week. Um, and last week it seemed like it would be something worth talking about, but at this point, just kind of tired of it. And I would understand if all of you are as well. So, um, let me try to talk about it without talking about it. And by that, I mean talking about, um, how this the reaction to this is not inherent to this virus um a, a brief look through our recent history would show that there have been worse uh rapidly spreading sicknesses within the last two decades than this um what it is reflecting at the moment is a a change in the culture and the change in the um the sins that are pandemic within the culture um more specifically there's a a more widespread fear of constantly being deafened and numbing ourselves to it through constant entertainment self-reflection is not something that we do a lot of um unless you just do too much of it um uh yeah let let me know if my mic is being yeah it had a little spike if it's getting a little funky because it does that unfortunately my internet's not great um so uh when we're thinking about this the first thing to take note of is that the response to this and why it seems so strange to many of us, um, especially if you're a Christian, is that um, what this shows is what was already in people's hearts. Um, so uh, events like this are occasions to um, for people to sin. They're not the cause of it. And so when people sin through rampant, fear-mongering and panic which that's sinful by the way um because it is belying a either a unbelief in god or a complete lack of uh trust and faith in him <clears throat> so uh so that, that's what's going on i guess uh, from a perspective of, of examining things and, and why is this happening the way that it is? Why are people responding the way that they are? Um, that is the theological explanations is that one, people are sinful and don't believe in God. And so as even the slightest inkling of there's something that could kill me, that's just completely out of my control right outside my doorstep um, enters their lives. They freak out and panic, even though that's, the way we live our lives every day, there's all kinds of things that could kill you every day that 
you would have no idea was coming. Um, have it thrown in your face constantly, and you're not constantly thinking about it. <clears throat> and if you're to die, um, you're, if you're already numbing the reality of your own death with constant amusement, constant entertainment, um, workaholicism, uh, ish things like whatever you're using to distract yourself from the reality that you're going to die. Um, something like this is going to remove that veil that you constructed. Um, and so that's why a lot of this is happening. Um, the overreaction is, is just pulling out what's already in people's hearts. That's great. Did you say bail or veil? Veil. With a V. Pulling down the bales of your life would also be an appropriate term. Yeah. Bail uh, like the idols from the Old Testament. Correct. Yeah. yeah. B-A-A-L. Um, but you said veil like a uh, curtain. Yes. B-E-I-L okay. was the word I actually said. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um... So, how have Christians responded to widespread sickness throughout history? Let's think about that, and then we're going to move from there into thinking about what was the belief system, the worldview, the, the theology that drove them to behave in this way. So, and, and then that will tell us, because that gives us a biblical foundation for responding as Christians. So when you look at the history of, of Christianity and widespread sickness or plague, uh, it goes all the way back to the beginning within the Roman Empire. Um, there were different kinds of plagues that hit the Roman Empire. It may have been measles, um, things that we have treatments for now that they did not have treatments for. And so when it hit, it hit widespread. It killed lots of people. And one thing that happened was that Christians actually survived uh, more than the Romans did, even though they cared for the sick that were dying. Um, and part of this was that they cared for their own sick first, the people that were in the church. And so even though some of the caretakers died, more of the sick people lived. Um, and the Romans actually did what some of us are doing now, and they self-isolated. They hid inside their homes um, when the plague hit. They refused to continue doing normal business and, and associating with other people. And more of them died, <laughs> at least in the, in the areas where there was a, a stronger Christian presence. Um, so uh, that's the early church. That, that's second, third, fourth century AD region before the fall of Rome. Um, we see their response there within a pagan culture was to care for the sick and the dying. And they didn't think the world was about to end. They didn't. They just, they, they continued to plot along as faithful Christians, knowing that they had marching orders from their Lord and master um, to, to live in a certain way among the people that they had been placed around. Um, so that's what they did. Now, moving forward into the medieval period, uh, after Rome falls and then is revitalized as what's functionally a, a Christian empire um, in many ways and spreads all through Western Europe, uh, you have this medieval period and, and the Black Death there, which killed half the population. 
Um, it, it's, I believe the, the number is 20 to 30 million somewhere in there. We don't have completely accurate records, obviously. Um, so there's a big margin for error. But it was in the tens of what millions. Were those numbers, the first ones? Uh, 20 to 30 million, somewhere in that yeah. radius or range, rather. Um, uh, so you have 20 to 30 million people dying from this Black Death. <clears throat> and all throughout, uh, the, the, the Christians are, again, caring for the sick and dying. Um, and, and, and they're living every day with death in their faces and still believing in god christianity didn't die out because people were like well how could god do this in fact they believed that um that part of the problem was many of the problems that were actually around them where the corruption within the both uh secular world at the time um the reigning nobles and rulers and in in the christian world among the uh priests and the papacy they saw this. They saw it as divine judgment, um, but they didn't just give up the faith and uh, hide away from the world. They kept going. Actually, uh, the Black Death subsided, but continued to arise over the next few centuries. And so we see during the Reformation, uh, the pastors of the Reformation carrying on this tradition of caring for the sick and the dying. You have uh, John Calvin, Martin Luther, uh, modeling this as some of the most prominent people from the Reformation. Um, Calvin, at one point even, uh, the Genevan government told him that he was too important <laughs> to uh, the Reformation to be caring for people who were sick. And he said, no, I'm their pastor. If, if I don't care for them in their physical needs, and 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 preserve my own life to try to care for their spiritual needs. I'm disobeying Jesus. Mm. Um, so, uh, and, and all the way to Charles Spurgeon, the famous uh, pastor from London from the 1800s, when cholera broke out in London, same thing. Uh, in people's homes, caring for the sick and dying. He even writes about a man who constantly um, argued with him to his face. Uh, at his church about his beliefs and the things he was teaching. And then the man got cholera and Spurgeon visited him in his home. And at that moment, it was like, you know what? Maybe you're not so bad of a guy. <laughs> and he was able to share the gospel with him um, in that in that scenario. So, so we have this long history of Christians maintaining certain aspects of their faith and even those things being amplified by plague. So, um, how should we respond, or rather, what was the theological underpinning of their response? Um, and thinking about this, my own studies this week have kind of taken me this direction. I've been reading through the Book of Lamentations. And if you don't know anything about the Book of Lamentations, uh, it is a lament. It is a, a prayer to God, essentially, um, a lamenting prayer. We find many of these in the Psalms, but the book of Lamentations is very specific. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah. And if you know anything about Jeremiah's life, he's called the weeping prophet. He lives through um, the downfall of Jerusalem to Babylon. He is there um, when that happens, um, the, when, it, when it happens the first time. 
the first deportation and the second deportation he's uh in in egypt um and the temple is burned and so he is lamenting what is happening here um but in the middle of the book of lamentations we find this appeal to god based on his character his sovereignty with great hope and confidence in those things about God. And so this is the the theological underpinning of of how we can still carry on in cheerful obedience to God as Christians with hope, with faith and love um, during what is otherwise chaos, Um, justified or unjustified chaos. I think the Black Death, they had some some justified reasons for things to be chaotic, right? Um, when you have half the population dying around you, within three years, that's how fast it happened. Um, coronavirus has a lot of catching up to do if it's going <laughs> to want to come even close to those numbers. It's already behind in terms of total uh, death ratio. Um, so h- how did they do it? How did they carry on? How did they continue to persevere in faith um, let's look at Lamentations chapter 3. In the middle of the book, we find this soaring prayer to God of hope. Um, Lamentations chapter 3, um, verse 37 to 38 is where we're going to start um, to point out that uh, Jeremiah here affirms the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is the first thing that he affirms here. Um, or that, that I want to focus on. Um, he affirms lots of things in this chapter. Uh, So it says, who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the most high that good and bad come? So uh, he is affirming that that the, the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem was brought about by God. Now, in that instance, it was direct punishment for the sins of the people jeremiah prophesied it to them beforehand he told them hey if you guys don't repent god's going to bring judgment on you and that judgment's going to be uh this babylonian army and they're going to conquer the city they're going to burn the temple this is going to be bad um and they're going to take you prisoner uh and, and exile you into babylon and they didn't believe it they refused to believe him, um, which was crux of most of Jeremiah's troubles in his life. Um, and they persecuted him heavily. He was thrown into a pit at one point. That was uh, it was a cistern, basically just a muddy pool of water, and they threw him in there and left him there for days, um, <clears throat> among other things that they did to him, um, because he was saying hey, God's coming to judge you. And and so when he says this, but but he is, in the first verse, affirming the sovereignty of God. Who has spoken it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it. And and so uh, God is sovereign over the virus. (laughs) Um, Every virus, every molecule of the universe, God is in control of it. Um, And so as Christians, we gladly affirm this. Um, This is the consistent testimony of the Bible. And and um, as the late uh, R.C. Sproul, um, pastor and theologian, um, used to say, uh, he died, I think, two years ago now, 
um, there are no maverick molecules in the universe. Um, there's not a single atom that is just kicking against God. The, the, the creation is under its creator's control. Um, and, and so that gives us a, a basis for confidence that God is still fulfilling his promises of like Romans 8, where we see the great promise that he's working things for their good and his glory. Um, and, and his glory is their highest good. Um, when we see those kinds of promises, these, uh, the fact that God is controlling all things lets us know that he is able to keep them. So we affirm his sovereignty. Second thing, we affirm his goodness. So if God's in control of everything, but he's evil, that's bad. So uh, we affirm his goodness because the Bible teaches that he's good. So in Lamentations 3, uh, starting in verse 22, uh, it says, A steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Um, so there we see Jeremiah uh, affirming God's goodness in the midst of his troubles. While he is seeing his entire world crash down around him. The temple of God destroyed. The people of God scattered and killed. He affirms the goodness and mercy of God in the midst of it. Um, and lastly, he appeals to God. He prays to God. Um, on the basis of God's sovereignty and mercy, that's the basis of his appeal. Um, so near the end of the chapter, um, in verse 49, um, he says, My eyes will flow without ceasing, without respite, until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees my eyes cause me grief at the fate of all the daughters of my city. And so he's seeing what's happening around him, the destruction um, of Jerusalem, and he is weeping over it, over the pain and suffering, and appealing to God. When he says, um, we can infer from this that, that he's praying as he's weeping, um, as he's, until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. And he's not saying that God doesn't know about it. Um, that phrase, God looking down and seeing or coming down and seeing, when it's used in the Bible, it's not talking about whether God knows about it or not, or that he needs to come down and, and learn about what's happening, but rather that he's taking in the evidence of, of all that's going on and is going to um, that, that God does look down and see it, but that he, this looking down and seeing is looking down and seeing in judgment that um, and, and this is true. In, at the end of Jeremiah, God pronounces judgment on the Babylonians for what they did to Jerusalem. Um, and, and, and so that's what he, he's asking God, God to see what's happening, to see uh, the pain and suffering, to see the injustice occurring, and, and to pronounce judgment on it. That's so why he's praying that God would fix things, that God will make things right. We see a similar prayer at the end of Revelation where John, after seeing all the things that he does see in that revelation of Christ, says, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come make things right, come restore the creation um, that is so wrought with sin and death. Um, and uh, in verses 55 to 57, 
we get an explicit prayer from Jeremiah. Uh, I called on you in the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. You've taken up my cause, O Lord. You've redeemed my life. You've seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. Judge my cause. You've seen all their vengeance and all their plots against me. And so he's talking about God pronouncing judgment. Now, his situation is different. The sin that's happening around him is caused by humans. Ours is caused by um, both. <laughs> um, God is going to reckon with the rulers of every land for the way that they have handled the situation. Um, just as he's reckons with all of us for our sins. If they're sinning in there, if they're promoting fear-mongering, um, if they're seeking to control people out of the fear over this or manipulate people, um, God's going to deal with them. And we don't have to worry about that. We don't, we don't need to deal with it. <laughs> um, one, we can't. It's uh, not in our power. Two, it's not our job. Uh, God consistently says that vengeance belongs to him. Um, it is his to repay. Uh, he is the one who reckons with people for their sin. And it will either be forgiven in Christ or taken up with him on the last day um, in judgment. So that's our theological foundation. We've got uh, the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, and the fact that we can come to God in prayer. So how do we how do we live our day-to-day -day life? Well, um, I've been using this line a lot um, in other Christians I've been talking to, and it's, it's pursue cheerful obedience to God in every circumstance. And I get that line from, from Philippians chapter 4. Um, I kind of cobbled together different things from the passage and put that as a one-liner. Pursue cheerful obedience to God in every circumstance. So whether panic and virus or normal everyday life that was a few weeks ago, this is the call for every Christian. Pursue cheerful obedience to God in every circumstance. And we're to love God and our neighbor. Um, so Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So we have a command to rejoice in the Lord, to take cheer, to not fear, but rather uh, have joy in God. And, and joy isn't just being chipper and, and happy, but it's having a, a confidence in God and his word and his character, just the things that we've just been establishing from Lamentations. Uh, verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So as you're rejoicing in the Lord, no matter what's happening around you, when people are like, what's going on with you? You let them know. Uh, this is a perfectly reasonable response for me to have. I'm not freaking out, but I'm also not ignoring, you know, basic health stuff. Like, don't go hang out with grandpa right now. That's a bad idea. Um, people who are at high risk from any kind of uh, kind of pneumatic respiratory virus of any kind, um, but with one that doesn't have any kind of current medical treatment, yeah, like, don't go hang out with grandpa. Wash your hands. Um, taking proper precautions doesn't mean that you're not trusting in God. You're availing yourself of the normal means that he's uh, instituted for you to remain healthy. Um, 
but significantly loving your elderly neighbor means don't go hang out with them right now until they figure out how to how to treat this thing um but give them a phone call that's as love your neighbor um don't go see grandpa in person but but give him a phone call he's probably lonely because people are isolating themselves um or grandma you know um so let your reasonableness be known to everyone letting people know like i'm not freaking out why because plague has come and gone but god and his word have stood forever and then he establishes this at the end of the verse the lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god so the antidote to anxiousness is one affirming the nearness of god which we saw in lamentations uh jeremiah said i prayed to you and you drew near to me and said do not fear we have a prayer from lamentations that shows us this principle here in philippians do not be anxious but pray with thanksgiving there are so many things to still be thankful for right now you woke up this morning and you drew breath thank god for that your sins are forgiven in christ thank god for that Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So as you pray and reflect and meditate on the nearness of God, that alleviates your fear and gives you the peace of God, which comes through Christ. Um, You only have peace with God through the forgiveness of sins in Christ if you do not have peace faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ, you do not have peace with God. And if you don't have peace with God, you're not going to have peace in the world. Um, Because that is the thing that is overflowing in situations like this, is that people don't have peace with God. But Christians don't have to fear death. Death has been taken care of. And death brings you to communion with your Savior. Um. That uh, means that that peace with God means peace for life. And we're going to see that in verse 10. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure and lovely and commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. So uh, think about what is true pure lovely commendable what does that mean it means read the bible it means read the bible if your school is canceled and you've got weeks off read the bible do some reading uh if you want some recommendations for some some good books on on things that are pure and true and lovely and commendable uh theology um uh things like that uh, i'd be happy to provide a list um of of my personal recommendations or or uh theonomy or goosen could also probably hit you up on that um read some books um but mainly read the bible primarily um use use the time that you've been given if if your stuff is canceled and you're you know staying at home 
use the time that get, that's given to you to establish some good and, and healthy spiritual disciplines, especially if you didn't have them before this happened. Um, and if you did have them before this happened and you're finding they're falling away during this time, then um, don't beat yourself up about it, but just dig back into it. Um, this is a way for us to take advantage of this time and to focus on God um, and, and, and to learn things about him. And then that fuels our joy and our reasonableness and our peace with him by thinking and meditating on his truth. Uh, finally, verse 9 here, uh, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so we have a command to think about things and to practice things. So the things that you learn from meditating upon God's word, go and practice them. Um, love neighbor, love God. Um, these are the things that we're called to do as Christians, even no matter what's happening around us. Um, finally, verses, I said finally a second ago, um, but here we go again. Verses 10 to 13 talk about contentment. Um, So verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Um, So he's saying that they didn't have, the Philippians didn't have a chance to actually like help him out, but they were worried about him. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. And what's the foundation of that? Foundation of that is all things he's been saying up to this point. All things he's been saying at this point, that God is near, that he has peace with God, that he's meditating on what is true. Uh, verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And, and so that last verse is taken out of context all the time. That to talk about just anything under the sun. But what Paul is saying is that when things are bad, Christ strengthens him to carry on, persevere, keep the faith, continue to meditate upon the truth of God, persevere in prayer, and to practice uh, the things that consist of the Christian life. So we have uh, things to affirm and things to pursue. Affirm the sovereignty of God, affirm the goodness of God, appeal to God for mercy upon yourself, upon uh, the people around you, upon the sick and the dying, um, and upon the people who are showing the sin in this time and sinning in grievous ways. So I'm sure it's happening in all kinds of circumstances. And finally, we're to pursue cheerful obedience to God no matter what's happening. Um, and that's grounded in the previous truth. Okay. Sweet. So I have a question. Yeah, hit me. Uh, Deuteronomy 28. It says, if you don't obey, the Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration that all you undertake to do until so you're destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you've forsaken me. Uh, verse 21 says this specifically. The Lord will make pestilence like plague stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever 
inflammation, fiery heat, and with drought and with blight and with mildew, they will pursue you until you perish. Uh, destruction, blah, blah, blah. Is this the end times? Are we experiencing like the end of the world right now? Um, well, based on your text, no. In, in fact, the text that you cited is the reason why Jeremiah experienced the things that he did. Mm. Um, so that is in Deuteronomy, which means that it's part of the, 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 the Deuteronomos, the second giving of the law to the people of Israel. Um, and the blessings and curses attached to the nation state of Israel, while um, uh, we, we see carried out, the curses carried out for their rebellion against God's law in the prophets, in the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, in the destruction of the northern kingdom, uh, a couple, uh, about a century and some change before that by the Assyrians. Um, we see that happen there. So uh, in response to your actual question, no. Now, is that is that passage applicable across history? Are, are the blessings and curses of God, um, do they apply to other nations? Um, and I would say in, in a general sense, yes. So um, in, in America, we have the glorification of every sin under the sun. And... Um, we deserve far worse than coronavirus. <laughs> um, so how, how it, it, is, is, is this the judgment <laughs> of God? Uh, well, I would say the judgment of God, based on the things that we've done, we being like nation has approved, condoned. Uh, there are Christians within these nations who do not do these things, and I'm happy that they don't. Um, and there's a great multitude of them. Um, but the primary tenor and flow of, of, of the nation and what uh, is allowed and permitted and approved of and glorified even um, uh, certainly deserves far worse <laughs> than coronavirus. So um, we're so not yes. in a position. Uh, we're not in a position to adjudicate what is and isn't the judgment of God and what is and isn't life in a fallen world. Um because we don't have direct revelation on the issue. I want to define adjudicate real quick. Uh, to, to, to determine, to okay. judge, to decide. Yeah. Um, we're not in that position. Now, Jeremiah the prophet is in that position because he's receiving direct re revelation from God that as God is telling him, hey, let them know that the Babylonians that are coming, that's judgment from me for breaking my law. Yeah. But in Revelation 9, it specifically says that the angel's going to blow the trumpet, a voice is going to be heard um, across the world, the four angels are going to be released, and uh, people are going to be killed with plagues. And it says, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. So that, that's not talking about Old Testament Israel, that's talking about the future. Like, And if we see that playing out now, doesn't that mean... Um, we do well, have interpretation. A third, a, a third of the population isn't dead. And in fact, like we said earlier, in the Black Death, a third of the population did die. So that, that's talking about the plague. Um, so so <laughs> what, what I'm, no, I, it's not. Okay. But what I'm saying is that clearly if, if, if it's referring, like people then would have been safer than we are 
and assuming that verse was fulfilled, but clearly it wasn't fulfilled because Jesus didn't come back. Yeah. So there's no reason to assume. And, and, and the biggest verse we have is Jesus says very clearly, nobody knows when I'm coming back. Yeah. Um, he, that's maybe what he said. I think someone actually posted that earlier. Uh, yeah, Matthew 25. Um, you don't know. You just don't know. Yeah. Um, but we do know it's not, or at least probably not right now. Well, yeah, we don't know either way. We can't say either way. Yeah. It's like Jesus could, but it wouldn't be because of coronavirus. Like, that's not the, the, the sign of the times. That <laughs> yeah, lets that's not us the justification. Yeah. It's not the justification for it. Yeah. Um, he comes back whenever he darn well feels like it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So that's, that's interesting you say that. Cause like if Corona is like the basis of saying that the end times should happen, then like we need to be writing doomsday prophecy for like 300 AD. <laughs> Cause like, right. Exactly. So much, that, that's my point. So much the, bad the, stuff. The plagues have been far worse. The wars yeah. have been far worse in the past. Um, yeah. People in every generation have thought that the things that happened around them were fulfilling the book of revelation. You can find books written on it. You can find writings, you can find excerpts from people. Um, As long as the book of revelation has existed and been a part of the new Testament canon, people have assumed that their generation was the one in which it was being fulfilled. Um, And so far they've been wrong. I'd be very happy to be right. Like (laughs) I'm, I'm not saying like, I'm not wanting Jesus to come back. I'm just saying that we have no reason to assume that based on current events. Um, Don't get your theology from your newspaper. Yeah. Another thing to maybe answer my own question. Another thing that I'm reminded of is second two. It talks about different like pictures. Uh, Which passage? You're you're cutting out on me. Sorry. That's second Peter two. Got it. Uh, Second Peter two. You don't have it in the document either. Uh, no, this is just off the dome. So, uh, what was the verses? Because it cut out again. <laughs> Here. Oh, do that. Uh, where am I looking at? Four through. Uh, I guess. So in that passage, it's talking about like different pictures of judgment in the Old Testament that have happened. And um, Peter says that those are, they're not the final judgment, but they are pictures of final judgment. And moreover, God delivers the godly people from those things. And even if it were like the final day of judgment, we would be fine. But also they're not, they're just pictures of it. Like they're showing that God is faithful through hard times. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. Um, the, the people in Noah's day certainly thought it was the end of the world and they were right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just not literally. Yeah. But, but it wasn't the, the end end. Yeah. Um, because God preserved a people for himself. And, and the same thing happened in Jeremiah's day. Yeah. Um, people were not fully convinced that, that God was going to preserve the uh, people through it. And he did. Um, yeah. As we see in the book of, of 
books of Ezra and Nehemiah, where people return from the Babylonian captivity and rebuild the temple, which sets the stage for the coming of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, do I think that it's a direct, uh, it's like signs of the time sort of judgment? No, but I think based on this thing from Second Peter and also your commentary on Jeremiah, like, I think it is, we could loosely say non-authoritatively that, I mean, the craziness that's going on and how people are responding, like, that, that itself is a picture of, like, quote-unquote, God's judgment. Like, people are very confused about this, and they're they're freaking out, and, like, from Romans 1, people are talking about, or, like, it, it says that, like, people being beset with confusion about these things and like panicking that is God's judgment being poured out, not in a final ultimate, but in like a turn around and, you know, we, we do like this. Should, I guess what I'm trying to say is this should call us to like trust God more into, to fear him more. How does that strike? Um, the cutting in and out, it struck me well. Um, okay. <laughs> I gathered what you were saying. It hits. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess what, what I mean is we shouldn't go around just trumpeting that this is the judgment of God um, to everyone under the sun. Um, yeah. Because quite frankly, this is this is small potatoes compared to things that have happened in even recent history. Yeah. Um, but particularly in f further back. So that's the reason I say that. But like you said, even with um, the, the the panic that's being induced by this demonstrates that we are living on the rotting corpse of what once was a Christian culture and is no longer. Yeah. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean it was full of Christians necessarily, but it was full of people who actually believed that God existed and controlled yeah. nature. Um which is clearly not the case. So nature and death are the most terrifying things for the person who has no hope after. Yeah. Um, things that are out of your control and uh, particularly your own death, which if you're not a Christian, that's it. You're done. Donezo. No, nothing yeah. else. So um, at that point, yeah, I, I, I'd be scared too. Yeah. But I'm a Christian, so I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You still wash your hands, though. Well, yeah, but I do that even when <laughs> I, I do that. I was already, I was already in my hand washing game. Yeah, hand wash gang. Yeah, gang, gang. represent. Yeah, yeah. I also want to say that, like, it, it does. The Bible does encourage us to be ready, um, not to be oblivious of things, too. But um, in Matthew um, twenty-four to uh, let's see here, 42 to 44, there's there's a part there, um, or 44 actually, so it says like, so you also must be ready because some man will come at an hour where you don't expect him. So it does encourage us to, you know, to also be ready, but like I think in this way it's saying to be faithfully ready um, rather than like, you know, physically in, in that way. For me at least, that's how I yeah, I think Yeah, I think particularly there it's saying like, like being ready for that hour of judgment means to basically find yourself in Christ, like to be saved, to be in him, to be ready to meet God um, without fear of condemnation. 
Um, and so, I mean, like loving your neighbor, that's certainly enabled by like having peace with God in that way, like being ready in that way. But I don't know that, like, I think you have, I think those verses are specifically talking about like being ready, quote unquote, um, in verse 44 there is to be, to be found in, to be found in the sun and not to be washing your hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, sure. so there's a, <laughs> and, and that's ultimately what we see the pattern of when things are going crazy, what the Christians do, they keep being Christians. Yeah. Um, they keep plotting on. Um, the thing that they don't do is just, all right, well, I guess God doesn't exist. So I'm going to apostle. Like that's the, uh, that's the opposite thing. And, and so what, what it means to, to be always ready for Jesus to show up at any time because he might, because you might just die. Like there, there's a double-edged sword to that one where yeah. um, he could come back, but you might meet him the other way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you could be crying out, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, whoa, depart from me for I never knew. Uh, yeah, so, so there's a... Um, a, a constant call to, to persevere in the faith. Um, and it is God who sustains your perseverance. So, which is great, great news for, for those who, um, who would otherwise fear um, their faith failing. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, Haran Bay, um, <laughs> indeed. Quality name. Yes, quality name. Um, yeah, absolutely right. Good, good, uh, good point there, man. Appreciate it. All right, you got anything else, uh, Andrew? No, I mean, I, I'm honestly curious to hear what everyone says. I mean, some you said that you were. I think you said earlier you were working from home. A lot of people on here, I feel like they're either in school or they're in jobs to where they're kind of stuck at home and maybe don't, don't have a ton of stuff to do. And I'm wondering, like, I mean, I'm, my classes are canceled for the next couple of weeks. And so I'm wondering like, what, what should I do? What should I not do? Obviously not um, in specifics, but maybe just like generally, like, I know you touched on that, but. Yeah. I, I, thanks for bringing this up. Cause I know I mentioned to you earlier, I wanted to talk a little bit more about this. Um, Again, I, I would say that there's um, you have a great opportunity to pursue things that you might otherwise not have time to do. Like if you usually have a course load that requires you to do a lot of reading um, for school, you now don't have that and you have an opportunity to read some books. Um, so if anyone wants book recommendations, just ask at me somewhere in the Discord and I'd be happy to give you some. Um, if you want to if you want a recommendation of a book to read in the Bible, one of the books of the Bible to read, um, just like to sit down, open a book of the Bible, just start reading. Um, and uh, that's a big deal. If you're not, uh, if you don't find yourself able to read well or uh, have a hard time paying attention while reading, um, there are so many free audio versions of the Bible. Pop one on, hop into your lobby of your favorite you know mindless first person shooter and just go to town um 
that's actually how I learned a lot of the things that I know now was I had nothing to do and video games to play. And I listened to lots of stuff about the Bible and learned a lot of things that way. Um, And I know that um, Ligonier Ministries, we'll have to drop a link to this, Justin. They're offering every single audio version of R.C. Sproul's teachings for free right now um, with the coronavirus stuff. Um, A lot of ministries are doing that. They're offering a lot of free resources right now for people to use while they're locked up in their homes. Um, So take advantage of that and learn some stuff. Again, dwell on the things that are good um, and true because the thing that's going to be tempting is there's lots of ways to sin both in your heart and in real time um, when you're bored, especially, and when you're isolated, especially. Um, Another thing to think about, if you're prone to despair and loneliness, this is probably going to be an especially hard time for you. Shoot, like reach out to someone in this Discord or uh, reach out to one of us if you have to. Um, but if you have localized friends and, and people that are who can and will are willing to travel to you and spend time with you, take advantage of the freedom that you have to, to spend time with other Christians. Um, start a, a regular Bible study because you have nothing else to do with, with a couple of folks you know, keeping within the, I guess, gathering number quota um, or whatever. Um, Take advantage of the freedom you have, but don't use the freedom you have to sin. Because that's going to be very easy to do, especially the longer that this goes on. Prayerfully, it won't go on for much longer, but it might. Um, And if it does, uh, don't be especially on guard against the kinds of sins that can rise in your heart when you're bored um, because they can be, you could form some sinful habits now during this time that will haunt you the rest of your life. You're talking about porn, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Comes right out with it. Well, I mean, there's multiple like porn slothfulness, uh, just all that yeah, stuff. There, there, there's a wide gamut, but that, that's a particular one. that people are prone to Uh, well the demographic for this server is young gamer bros for the most part i know um we have ghost muffin here which is an exception to that but um and there may be others that haven't spoken before but the general demographic is young gamer bros and so that's typically it, it is more of a pandemic than the coronavirus among them so um that is yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah, that kind of correlates with the demographic, yeah. Well, I would like, I, I'm sorry if I don't have like the the, the permission to speak, but I Go just for remember it. like a part of, a, of the Bible that I remember. Well, I don't remember which uh, versicle it was. I think it was in Corinth, but I, well, I know it in Spanish, but I don't remember. It was about temptations, like for every temptation that the devil puts upon you, God opens an exit to it. And the only and the only trick that you need to have to listen to this exits or to look for those exits that God's ha- God has put it for you is that you need to have faith on him to if to know that if you have you're in a hard situation where you don't know what to do or if you're being tempted by i don't know porn or 
drugs or doing some bad actions in the, mm-hmm. the wrong time or in every, every kind of time, like in, at any times, uh, you can always stop for a moment and ask, what do you want me to do, God? Do you think that this is the thing that I should do? You didn't have an exit for me. Like, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll always trying to, I don't know, try to commit to it. Yeah. Because without commitment, like, yeah, and God has an exit for me. Yeah, I, I, I just go for it. Um, maybe God opens an exit for me in more uh, over way. If you don't have a commitment for it, you will not. You don't really want to have that exit. But you don't want to really uh, search for that exit. Yeah. So God's tell, uh, God tells us through the words of uh, Paul on this verse that even though uh, the world is full of temptations because we are sons of Christ, because we are the ones that believe in the message that Jesus Christ for, uh, gave, gave us of uh, salvation and misericordy mm-hmm. and, and love and, and all those good stuff that were pr- promised in the Bible. We have the option. We have the option of not just to... Uh, ignore the temptations but to already escape from them we can break those chains that uh that we are uh that, those chains that uh links us to the sin the, to the primordial sin that as the temptation yeah. we can break them because everything in god is possible dude that's a great word that yeah. reminds me of uh sorry if i don't remember having... the versicle but i just have a mess over my head because okay. i don't know in spanish and no, it's yeah, great. All good, man. Uh, I, what I know what you're Spanish? talking about, and I think you almost quoted it perfectly, actually, yeah. in English. Oh, uh, thanks. What is, uh, what is it in Spanish? Oh, uh, it was like, para cada tentación, Dios siempre abre una salida. For every ten- for each temptation, oh, God opens an exit. Liter- a yeah. literal translation. Yeah, 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 that's great. Nice. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I guess uh, yeah. other people are free to, I guess, ask questions for a bit. It's already 10 o'clock, so probably let it go for just a little bit longer. Uh, be mindful of other people trying to talk with the microphone, or you can type it out in chat if you want. But go ahead. Uh, before we open the floor, this is 10. Uh, what are we doing next week? What's going on? Let's plug stuff. Oh, yeah. Then... Well, first, uh, before next week on Friday we have Justin's or Gustin's Bible study that is at 8 o'clock Eastern time he's going to be going through John 12 still I believe uh, 22 quick, through something. yeah yeah we'll, we'll be in John 12 but quick note uh, I'll announce it after this too is that uh, the Bible study this Friday is canceled I'm actually going to be out of town uh, for that week or for that day so it'll resume not this Friday but next Friday at 8 p.m. EST Perfect. Okay, cool. So um, with that being the case, then next week, we're going to be talking about uh, baptism because a lot of you guys, we did, we did an episode a couple weeks ago on church membership because it seemed like everyone was interested in talking about that kind of thing. Um, People were kind of interacting with Justin's Bible study um, in a way that was like, wow, it seems like a lot of these people are getting a lot out of this and that's great. And it also seems like a lot of people might not be going to church. Um, and so we wanted to, to talk about that because like scripture actually addresses that. Thing. And so when we were talking, 
when we were having that conversation, a lot of people were asking like, okay, well, I was baptized like this. Does that count? Or, uh, you know, like, what if I wasn't baptized as a Christian? Or, um, you know, I, I, I consider myself a member of this church, but um, I was like kind of baptized, I think, maybe, like, should I get rebaptized? Questions like that. And so next week on Wednesday, we'll be talking about what scripture says about baptism, which is something I'm really excited about because I'm a Baptist. Uh, which is kind of funny, but, uh, uh, otherwise, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good topic. Hopefully it'll be more, um, I mean, we're going to be opening up scripture to see what it has to say about baptism. And I'm hoping that, that it can be, it can go a little bit deeper than what gets talked about at summer camp sometimes. Uh, and that's not to say that that's wrong, what they talk about at summer camp. And maybe you have a, a really great, uh, from your own church's teaching on this, but, uh, yeah, we're going to be diving into scripture on baptism next week. Hi. Be there, or be square. <laughs> Epic. All right. Yeah. All right. So Q and A. That's all. Yeah, that's all the announcements. So I'll stick around for a little bit. Um, I think to, to if anyone has any extra thoughts or questions, it wasn't a very controversial topic, or maybe one that didn't require a lot of questions. But if you've got that, that'd be fine. Um, I'll hang out if you just want to discuss some things or if you have questions that are not overly related that's okay too we are going to talk about pornography in the future right like that's on the schedule yeah that's the week after baptism week oh boy <laughs> baptism one week baptism by fire or the next week that's going to be interesting it will be it'll be fun it'll be fun hopefully i'm hoping that's controversial and that enough people sign on to to hear about it it's an interesting topic indeed what's up jack yeah? oh man hi all right there's no pressing questions then yeah. can kind of just be done it. yeah y'all uh th right. thanks for coming and yeah thanks for coming y'all can stick around if you want and talk amongst yourselves I'll do whatever. Who cares? Just don't. I think you can't do is you can't panic about the coronavirus. Do that, you're out of the Bible study. I Boom. will go and get coronavirus for $100. Panic is pagan. <laughs>